Hey everybody, thanks for joining us at the Central and Janesville podcast. Please remember to check us out on centraljanesville.com throughout the week. We're excited for wherever God's got you at right now, and we hope this message brings you a little closer. Thanks. Uh, this last year, my daughter, Cameron, started to want to play basketball. She played her first, her first uh, season of like actual basketball, and so she was saying, hey, Mom, Dad, for Christmas, I really want to get a basketball hoop. Now, if you know where we live, we live on the corner of Randolph and Wright Road. And there are a lot of vehicles that go through there all the time. And we've been terrified. Like, I love basketball. I, I coached girls basketball for eight years. Uh, it's, it is, like, my favorite thing. But I was terrified to put a basketball hoop in our driveway because I just knew that the ball was going to go out in the road and the kids were, you know, that's a bad situation. Um, so I got thinking about it. I'm like, okay, she really wants a basketball hoop. Well, we can't put it on the side on a post because the moment you do that and you shoot from the side, that ball goes off the rim. And now, not for me because I'm going to swish everything, you know. Uh, but normal people, it's going to go off the rim. It's going to go off into the road. And so I got to thinking, I'm like, okay, if we can put it on the wall of the garage, it's going to be way less likely that the ball caroms off crazy and goes off into the road. So for Christmas, we got her a hoop, and there's like this base that you can put onto the wall so that you can put it up on the wall. Now for those of you who know me, and I've talked about this many times, when it comes to home projects, I am a loser. I can't do it. I am not good at this stuff, um, but I always know I've got this, this thing in my back pocket called my brother-in-law. And so I'm, I'm looking at the wall, and it, if you know our, our garage, it's, it's got like 45 degree angle planks that just kind of go on. And I'm trying to figure out how to put this base on. I'm like, I can't do it. Josh, help me. And so Josh comes over. He, he's working on it. He figures it all out. He comes over. He's putting the base up on the wall. And I'm, I'm inside. And my wife's like, shouldn't you be out there like helping him? I'm like, I don't know. He seems like he's got it. Uh, and he did. He got it. And so he gets that up there. And then then we, we walk in the garage, because, uh, you know, at the end I had to pretend like I was helping. We walk in the garage, and I'm like, oh, you know what, I can put the, I can put the hoop all together. I'll, I'll get this figured out. Don't worry about it. I got this. Thanks for, thanks for the help, though, brother. Love you. Um, now, what you're all thinking right now is you're going, oh, man, you couldn't even put the hoop together, could you, Kellen? I, I can follow written directions. Now, I may have put it all together and had to undo it <laughs> one time. But I got the basketball hoop put together. And then I'm like, man, I got to get this like multi-hundred pound, it feels like, basketball hoop up on the wall now. And so what do I do? I call Andrew. Andrew does everything helping out around the church here. He sets up. He does all the stuff. But he, he's also really short like me. And so I'm like, hey, bring a ladder. And so you've got these two tiny little midgety people trying to put this hoop up on the, on the wall, get, the, get these big screws in and like get and we're trying to get it in we couldn't they weren't lining up finally we, we got the thing in like every single like four seconds I'm dropping something on the floor and I got to go down hey could you hold this multi-hundred pound basketball hoop up buddy we got it done I still feel like I can't do anything around the house very well but I got I had the help that I needed uh, and some of you you know what it's like to just need help and the truth is we're we're talking today through this book of Mark, talking through the series Epic. 
And today we're going to talk about the, the epic help that Jesus has to give, particularly two different people in one story. And these two people have completely different stories. One is a guy named Jairus. Now I'm going to call him Jairus all day. There is confusion as to whether it's Jairus or Jairus. Um, I thought about even just calling him Jairus just to like mess with you people today, but I'm not. I'm going to go Jairus, I think. I might switch it back and forth. And then there was this woman who had an issue of bleeding. And these two people have completely different issues, but they needed epic help from God. And Jesus was there to give it to them. And so we're going to start here uh, in this book, Mark 5, starting in verse 21. And so you can read it up on the screen as I read it. When Jesus had again crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around while he was by the lake. Then one of the synagogue leaders named Jairus came, and when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. He pleaded earnestly with him, My little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. So Jesus went with him. A large crowd followed him, pressed around. And a woman who was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all that she had. Yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. When she heard about Jesus... She came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I'll be healed. And immediately he, the, her bleeding stopped and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. At once, Jesus realized that power had gone out from him. He turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my clothes? You see the people crowding around you, his disciples answered. And yet you can ask, who touched me? And, but Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet, and trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. He said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. Sinai, you, you might think that you've been having it bad lately. Uh, life has not been going great. But then you look at stories like this. This guy has a little daughter who is dying. Uh, this woman for 12 years has been suffering with this bleeding that she's gone to doctors. She has, she has spent every dollar that she has. She, she's literally at the point of no energy left. Doesn't know where to turn. Uh, all she's got is this last hope of going to Jesus. But I want you to understand that these stories in the Bible, they're not, they're not unique. They're, they're humans just like the rest of us. People are going through difficult times all the time. And I think if, if anything, as we look in the book of Mark, it is really a story about life suffering and the difficulty of life and who we turn to in that time. Um, I've been talking to people in our, just in our church campus over the last week, people struggling with just some relationship things and, and a parent struggling with a kid that's struggling through some depression and health issues. Uh, Bernice Bray was in the hospital again this last week and, and is home right now. Um, I'd ask for you to be praying for Tom Perona, who's, who's battling cancer right now. And there's just, there's a lot of issues going on. People struggle. Um, and some days maybe you feel like you don't need God's help. Maybe everything just seems right. But the truth is every single one of us do. Some people might look at your life and think like you don't need God's help. And you're sitting here like, no, I need, I need God's help more than anything, more than anybody. And, and so I think, again, the book of Mark is really a book, uh, as, as we're going through it, I'm starting to realize this is just a book for hurting people. 
And so what do you do when you are in the place where you need God's help? Uh, that's, a, that's really the first part that we're going to talk about in this passage right now. What, what is it that you can do when you absolutely need God, God's help? And the first thing I think we see in this passage is find a way to get into the presence of Jesus. Whatever you can do to get into the presence of Jesus, that's what you got to do. Um, maybe you didn't catch what the role is that Jairus had uh, in his community, but it says that, and this is the guy who has the dying daughter, he was one of the leaders in the synagogue. And I think being one that was a leader in the synagogue, uh, the people in the synagogue, they didn't really trust Jesus yet. And so this guy coming to Jesus and begging him to come and heal his daughter, throwing himself at, at Jesus' feet, this couldn't have sat too well with the people that were his peers. Uh, and, and on top of that, he's giving up all this, he's like just throwing his pride down before Jesus. All of his dignity. And people see that. And then you got this lady who, again, she, she was bleeding for 12 years. And she's thinking, I just need to touch the, the clothes of Jesus. I just need to get there and touch his clothes. Uh, for 12 years she's been going to doctors, losing all of her money, spending all of her money, just to try to, to make herself to where she's clean. See, being the fact that she was bleeding for 12 years, she was considered un unclean. She couldn't go into the synagogue. She couldn't be around people because those people, if they touched her, she touched them, they would become unclean. They couldn't go and be a part of ceremonies. They couldn't go into the synagogue. And so this lady, it was just a constant struggle for her. But she did whatever she could to get to Jesus and to touch Jesus. I love that aspect of this story. And so I think it's got to raise a question for all of us. What are you willing to do to get into the presence of Jesus? Do you take time away every single day to actually get into his presence? And I ask this, what do your kids see on that matter? What do your kids see in terms of how you, if, if you have kids, and some of you don't have kids, but if you don't have kids, what do your neighbors see? What do your friends see? What do, you, what do your family see in terms of how important it is for you to get into the presence of Jesus? If you're a parent, is it... Do your kids see you as being a person that is more willing to, to move everything that you have to move in order to get them to a tournament on the weekend? But if something comes up on a Sunday, it's like, well, we, we'll just we'll sleep in. We don't need to go to church. Now, here's the thing. I want you to understand. I don't bring up that question as a guilt trip. That's the last thing. All I'm trying to do is help us to see how is it that people see me in terms of is getting into the presence of Jesus important for me? Something I think that we need to understand. You don't need to be at church all the time. In fact, I don't, I don't even think that we need to be at church ever. My boss is here today, and he's going to hear that, me say that. He's going to be like, Kellen, you should stop talking. I think church is great, and it's important, but is it needed? Tell the person that's living on a deserted island all by themselves that you have to go to church to be close to God. No. Like, you can be close to God anywhere, any place. God's spirit is absolutely everywhere. Uh, but I will say this, in all my years of church life and church ministry, now I've been, I've been a pastor for like 20 years now, but I grew up as a pastor's kid. I've been in church all my life, 41 years. And I will say this, in all those years, I can't really think of too many people that were really thriving in their relationship with Jesus and they were making a point not to meet with other Christians in some fashion. 
Whether that's in a church building, whether that's in a home church, whether that's in small groups getting together and just having that community with other, with other believers. There is something to be said about making a point to be with other believers. But I think also what happens is when we're not making the, going to church, being in community with other people, when we're not making that a point in our lives, what does that do in terms of what it speaks to the people around us? Again, I don't want you to get me wrong on this. I'm not saying that going to church equals getting into the presence of Jesus. You can, you can be anywhere and get into the presence of Jesus. You can also be at church and not be in the presence of Jesus. Because here's the thing. While, while God is absolutely everywhere, it's his spirit that we're trying to connect with. And so my spirit needs to be willing to connect with Jesus. And that can happen anywhere. That can happen in the morning when I'm, when I'm in, in a time of reading and prayer. That can happen when I'm on, the, on a basketball court shooting hoops with my kid. That in my spirit, I'm doing this as, a, as, as an act of, of, of glory and, and, and giving myself over to, to, to God as a parent. Like we can meet with Jesus in so many places as our spirit connects with him. Getting into the place where Jesus is, is the way to getting help in this life. That's what Jairus and this woman understood. That if they could just get into the presence of Jesus, they could actually get the help that they needed in their lives. But we got to get into the presence of Jesus if that's going to happen. This isn't a question about when we need God's help. Bottom line is, every single one of us, we need God's help. Every single week, every single day, every single minute, whether we like to admit it or not, we need his help. And so if we're going to see this epic help of Jesus come, come to fruit in our own lives, we've got to be willing to go to some, some different lengths than maybe we've gone to in the past to go and get in the presence of Jesus. So that's really this first question I got for you. What are you doing to get into the presence of Jesus every day? You're here. That's a start, obviously. But every single day, we need to be, find that presence of Jesus. And are you, are you helping your family learn what it means to seek him out? Now, what else can we do in order to, to get to this place? When we're in this place where we need God's help, what is, what is something else that we can do? And I think this is another thing that we find in this passage. The second thing is this. Jesus asks us to give him whatever faith it is that we have. Whatever faith I have, Jesus wants me to give that to him. And in this story, I, I don't think that we see through Jairus and through this woman the greatest stories of faith that you've ever seen in the Bible. There are people who had bigger faith than these two people did. Jairus, uh, you look at him, he's, he actually has um, maybe a, a, a superstition that's going on in his, in his mind. Because he told Jesus, hey, could you please come to my daughter and touch her so that she can be healed? The superstition was that for a healing to take place, that there had to be a physical touch. This looked a lot different than the faith of a guy that was somewhere else found in Scripture. This, a guy that we just know as a Roman centurion. This Roman centurion had a servant who was, who was sick, who was ill. And this Roman centurion came to Jesus and, and he's like, hey Jesus, I need you to heal my servant. And Jesus is like, okay, where should we go? He's like, you don't need to come. 
I'm a man in charge of people. I just tell them, you go do this, you go do that, and they go and do it. You're a man in charge. All you got to say is, be healed, and I know my servant will be healed. It was a great story. And Jesus himself was like, that is awesome faith, and your story is going to be told from now on. And Jesus healed that, that servant just by, by a word. We don't see that kind of faith in this, in this guy, Jairus. He's like, Jesus, you got to come and touch, touch my daughter, heal her. But here, Jesus did not demand that Jairus show the same faith that the centurion had. Jesus responded to the faith that Jairus had. I think that's really important for us to see. You might not feel like your faith is where you want it to be. Like, I can't have the same kind of faith that I see so-and-so have. God's not asking you to have this crazy faith that is bigger than everybody else's. He's just saying, come to me with the faith that you have. Let me grow it little by little. Jesus is willing to do that. As for the woman, she didn't, she didn't even have the courage to go to Jesus and to ask him for a healing. She was scared. She's like, I don't, want, I don't really want anybody to see. If she came into a crowd and she touched them, those people, if they knew her, which they probably did because it was a local community, they would have banished her. They would have yelled at her. Get out of here. You're going to get us all unclean. She didn't want anybody to know that she was there. She didn't want to speak out loud to Jesus, come and heal me. And so she goes and she just touches his, his robe. Now, this is another superstitious belief back then. A lot of historians say that people believed that the healing power would come out of somebody's clothes. And so she's also, this is not as much faith sometimes as it is superstition. Have you ever been in that place where you're like, man, I feel like my faith is, I, I pray and it's like I'm just almost doing this superstitious thing of trying to get God on my side. I've been there before. But even that imperfect kind of faith, Jesus shows that he is willing to help us in those places. Even a small faith is powerful. And it's so easy to lose our faith when, when we feel like, like God is not going to turn things around for us. You might not see how it's going to happen. That doesn't mean it's not going to happen. You don't have to see the way that God's going to do it. You just have to have the faith that he will do it his own way. I think every one of us, when you, when you hear that statement, you go, okay, I can, I can connect with that. I don't see the way that God's going to do some of the things in my life. But you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to believe by faith, even this little amount of faith, that he's going to do it his way. So I talked about it. We're going to take a break in the, in the message here in just a minute. We're going to sing a song. And the song that we're going to sing, really, it is... It is all about what we've just been talking about here. Having just a little bit of faith and trusting God with that faith. Maybe today your faith is kind of hanging by a thread. If you're a believer, if you walk with Jesus, every single one of us at some point in time, our faith just kind of feels like it's hanging by a thread. That's where I love the words of this, this song. It's part of the lyrics of this song says, I don't know how you make a way, but I know you will. You've been good on every promise from Eden to Zion. What, what he's saying there in those lyrics is from the beginning of time, the Garden of Eden, to the end of time, right now, all the way through to the end, you've been good on every promise. Through every dead end and out of the grave, I don't know how you make a way, but I know you will. Maybe you've got an area in your life where right now where you're like, man, I just, I need God's help. I don't know, I don't know how he's going to help me. I don't see the way that he's going to help me. I haven't been the person that he probably wants me to be, so I don't think that he's even going to want to be there to help me. 
Your faith doesn't have to be perfect. All you have to do sometimes is say, God, I, I, don't, I don't get it. I don't know how you're going to do this, but I trust you. And, and grow my faith a little bit. Uh, in Mark chapter 5, picking up here in verse 35. It says, while Jesus was still speaking. So he had just, just gotten uh, to where he, he get, brought healing to this woman with the, the issue of bleeding. While Jesus was still speaking, some people came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader. Your daughter is dead, they said. Why bother the teacher anymore? Overhearing what they said, Jesus told him, don't be afraid, just believe. He did not let anyone follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. When they came to the home of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw a commotion with people crying and wailing loudly. He went in and said to them, why all this commotion and wailing? The child is not dead, but asleep. But they laughed at him. After he put them all out, he took the child's father and mother and the disciples who were with him and went in where the child was. He took her by the hand and said to her, Talitha kum, which means little girl, I say to you, get up. Immediately the girl stood up and began to walk around. She was 12 years old. At this, they were completely astonished. I always find it funny that they put in parentheses she was 12 years old. Like, we were thinking that like a little tiny baby all of a sudden started walking. I don't know. Uh, that one, just sometimes fascinating things go into my brain when I read the Bible. But can you imagine the dark place that Jairus must have gotten into when these people came to him, servants came to him and said, your daughter is dead. That's a dark place to get into. Some of you maybe have heard that statement before. Maybe you've heard a statement very similar to that statement before. And the moment that you heard whatever that statement was, you went into this immediate darkness like you had never experienced before. And even if you haven't, you know, as we were talking about last week, there are moments, or there are, there's either a moment or there's going to be moments where all of us at some point are going to be, going to be placed into that, that life situation where a darkness comes on us that we weren't expecting. So here's a question that we need, we need to consider. What do you do when you're in a dark place and you've got nowhere else to turn? How do you even begin to find help in that place when it's just utter darkness? And the first part of this I think that we see in this passage is this. Remember that Jesus' reality transcends beyond what you're experiencing with your senses. I use the word transcends. It's a, a, I'm going to explain this more. If that, if that, it's early in the morning. I get it. Maybe that doesn't make sense yet. But I'm going to explain it as we go here. Um, but I think there, there's something in this passage that always strikes me as kind of unthinkable as I read through it. When Jesus said to this girl who was obviously dead, at least everybody there thought she was obviously dead. It's not what he said that was so crazy. It was the reaction of the people, I think, that was really crazy to me. Again, I'm going to read it. It says, when they came into the home of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw a commotion with people crying and wailing loudly. He went in and said to them, why all this commotion and wailing? The child is not dead, but asleep. Now, that's a pretty crazy statement. But then this is crazier. But they laughed at him. I never understand that. They laugh at him in this situation. Who laughs in this situation? If you're at a friend's house and their child dies and somebody walks into that room and says, oh, they're not dead, she's just asleep. You would go Will Smith at the Oscars on that person. Right? Sorry for those of you who don't get the cultural reference. 
but you would not like it. That wouldn't be a good thing. Reality isn't always what we pick up with our senses. That's what I think is important for us to understand here. God is doing things on another level that you or I, we can't always understand. Uh, in Isaiah 55, Scripture says that his ways are not our ways. So when you're in your supposed darkest place, I'm not so sure that God always sees it as your darkest place. God sees our dark places a little differently than we see our dark places. You know, even just taking this story as, as an example, uh, I find it illogical that these people who are, it seems like they're, friend, they're in the home of this person whose child just died, they must be friends, right? Why would they laugh at Jesus when, they, when he says that the child's not dead? First of all, why would Jesus say that? They, this is almost illogical for us, but you take the situation, our senses are going, why in the world are these people laughing? But again, our senses don't always tell us the whole story. Back in this culture, and, and we've talked about this story before, and I've probably said this before, but back in this culture, it's really important to this story. People would hire people to come into a home when somebody had just died. So the people that are wailing loudly, they're not doing it out of desperation, they're doing it out of occupation. It's a way different situation than if they were close. They maybe weren't close to this girl at all. They maybe knew her name, maybe not even knew her name. And so when Jesus comes in and says, the girl's not dead, they don't have, they don't have the connection with this girl to be mad enough to go up and slap Jesus. They're just like, gee, this guy's crazy. Our senses don't always speak actual truth to us about situations. I wonder if it's not the same for us when it comes to our darkness that we feel in the moments of our lives. See, your reality is simply never as dark as what your senses might be telling you. Your reality is never as dark as what your senses might be telling you. There is always hope in Jesus because he is eternally victorious. You might be thinking, Kellen, this is like a really shallow thing to say. This is like a you are not showing much empathy right now. You're trying to tell me that my darkness isn't as dark as I think it is. But let's think about this. Every single darkness that you've gone through, when you've gotten through to it on the other side, what does hindsight show you? Hindsight often shows you that the darkness maybe wasn't quite as bad as what you thought it was at the moment. In fact, you're able to even see these rays of, of sunlight shining in into parts of that darkness that you didn't see. In the moment, we can't feel that. We can't see the rays of hope. But here's the thing about God. You know, so many times people question God. How can God be good with all the darkness that goes on? God is able to see the rays of hope, not with hindsight, but even while it's happening, in ways that you and I can't. The darkness that we go through, it's not this evil thing always that God is putting on us. There's always a ray of hope that that Jesus has in mind for us as we go through these, these situations. <clears throat> Here's an exercise that might prove a point for you. Think about some of the dark moments of your past. Maybe you lost on a, out on a relationship with somebody that you thought was going to be forever. Maybe you lost out on a job opportunity that you were sure was like the opportunity that was going to get you to the place that you wanted to go. You lost a loved one that you, you didn't even know how you were going to wake up each and every day afterwards. The pain was so intense. Those moments are really dark. But again, 
when you've gotten through that moment, did hindsight not show you things that you didn't see in the, in the moment? I got a friend, um, he passed away when we were probably about 21. He died in a kayak accident. And his dad literally was, was holding on to him in Lake Superior uh, as this, these waves came in. And it was just, you t- hear this dad tell this story, it is the most awful thing that you've, you could ever imagine somebody going through. And yet, the amount of people, as this dad has told this story, the amount of people that have come to, to know Jesus and follow Jesus because of my friend's faith in that moment and his dad's faith, there is a ray of, of, of light that has shined on my friend Sam, even in that awful dark moment. And God has the ability to do that for us. Your darkness maybe isn't quite as dark as what you see it as. Our senses, they tend to fool us. Uh, you probably all heard a kid talk about, like, man, this is the worst day of my life. And, you, and you're looking at a kid, you're like, you're three. <laughs> like, what, how bad can things get? My, my sister, um, I remember that we went to watch her in a basketball game her freshman year of college, uh, down at Loris College in Dubuque, Iowa. And it was just one of those days. She just had a bad day. I think her nose got broken in the basketball game. Um, so that wasn't good. And then later on, I think her... I think her jacket got stolen and her wallet was in there. And so I remember we were at, at a hotel room um, and she's, she's sitting on the bed and she's going, she's just in tears. Mom and dad, this is the worst day of my life. And my mom and dad, you know, being adults, were like trying to hold back laughter. Because they know like in the, in the long scheme of life, this is going to be a small blip on your radar screen. It was a really bad day in the moment. And I even felt bad, like I was a little brother and I even felt bad for what she was going through that day. Um, but it was, a, it was a little blip on the radar. See, we get fooled into thinking that something is real when it's not. And it happens to us all the time. Today, I wonder if you've been getting fooled into thinking that your darkness, the darkness that God uh, has allowed you to go through is, maybe it's really not quite as, as dark as you see it. Maybe everything around you seems to be screaming death. And Jesus is trying to walk into your room and say, stop crying, the child's not dead. Of all the things I say today, that might be the thing that, that hits me the most as I look at this story. Everything sometimes that, that we look at in our life, man, it looks like it's just death. And I think sometimes Jesus is just trying to walk in the room and say, the child's not dead. There is a ray of hope. There's a ray of hope every single time with Jesus. So here's the other thing I want us to talk about as it comes to wanting to get help in our moments of darkness. And that's this. Decide that you'll trust the truth of God's word over your feelings. Our feelings tell us a lot of lies, but God's truth, it doesn't tell us lies. There are all kinds of opinions out there in the media nowadays. I don't know if you're like me. I like to listen to a bunch of different podcasts when I'm going for a run or going for a drive and there's so many opinions out there. I listened to more opinions about what transpired last week at the Oscars than I should have listened to this week, okay? Um, for some reason, I like, I like to hear how people think about like the day-to-day things that go on in this world. But have you ever noticed that most people only refer to their feelings when they talk about what's right and wrong in the world? People say things like, man, I feel like as long as you mean well, and, and as long as you mean well, you can just kind of do whatever you want to do, and God's going to be okay with it. 
What's interesting is we put ourselves in the place of God in those situations. I feel this. Okay, well, what does God feel? Because guess what? Our feelings lie to us all the time. My feelings lie to me a lot, guys. But I know the one thing that doesn't lie to me is God's word. Instead of so many times saying, I feel like this, I want to go to God's word and see what he has to say. I believe that there is, there's got to be a higher word out there about what is right and what is true than my word alone. There's got to be a truth that is actually true all the time. It may be hard to believe that God's word is true. It may be hard to even believe that God's word is God's word. But when I say things like, I just feel like this is right and this is the right way to live, what's happening is you're actually saying that that is what your faith is. Your faith is based on what you feel is right. And we get our feelings wrong so much of the time. So as you're looking at your life and you're looking at the things that God is, is allowing to happen, well, I feel like this is wrong. Well, maybe it's not. Maybe God is trying to take you in a place that you can't understand. Your feelings are going to run you in the wrong places so much of the time. And if you let your feelings be the gauge of how you're going to experience God, you are going to be a pretty confused, pretty stressed out person, often. So I want to read this uh, part from Mark 5 one more time. It says, while Jesus was still speaking, some people came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader. They said, your daughter is dead. Why bother the teacher anymore? And when they came to the home of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw a commotion while, with people crying and wailing loudly. He went in and said to them, why all this commotion and wailing? The child is not dead but asleep. What was it that Jesus was really doing here? You know, some people might say, oh, maybe, she, maybe she really wasn't dead. Maybe these people were really bad at, at checking a pulse. I don't know. What, what was Jesus doing here? Because he's saying she's not dead. But everything around us says, yes, she is dead. What's Jesus doing? We're talking about a man. God came into this earth as a man who he can say something is one way and it might look to you like it's the complete opposite. And if he says it's so, it's so. We're talking about the man who literally brings life out of death. It's one of my favorite things to say about who Jesus is. He brings life out of death. There are promises in the Bible that today you might not feel like are true. There's a lot of promises in the Bible and I wish I could talk about every single promise that's in the Bible for you today. I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you a couple, okay? God has plans for your life. God loves you and has grace over your sins. God sees you and he can give you rest wherever you're at. I love this one from Exodus 14. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. Now that might be taken from a, from a story in the Old Testament. He's speaking specifically to this army. Hey, you don't need to fight. I'm going to fight for you. But that is a promise that also holds true so many times in our lives. God's just saying, I don't, like, you can just hold and rest. I'm going to fight for you. I'm going to take care of you. There are promises that right now, if you're going based off of your feelings alone, you are not going to believe that God is carrying out those promises. Question for you is whether you're going to believe these promises today. Are you going to believe your feelings, which are full of insecurities, lies, inaccuracies or are you going to believe God's word to be true are you trusting the promises of God's care and provision over your life 
See, Jesus tr- proved to us that he was worth trusting with even the things that seemed the most impossible when he walked out of the grave. Every single one of his disciples, Jesus told them time and time again, I am going to die, and three days later, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to rise from the dead. And they didn't even get it. They couldn't believe that somebody could walk out of a grave and live again. It's not abnormal for you to look at your life and be like, God, I, can't, I just can't see that you're, you're going to do anything good with this. But can you believe that the God who brings life out of death can bring life out of the death in your life? This week, I want us to be open and honest with God about what our feelings are. He's big enough to hear us, what we're struggling with. He knows the good that he has in mind for you. This morning, this morning and, and this week as we're spending times in prayer, let's ask God to help, help us to trust him when we can't see a way out of our darkness. Let's ask God to flash a little bit of light in those areas of our lives right now that just don't seem to be full of light. And I believe as we come to God and we, we ask him and we trust him and we say, God, I, I don't see the whole picture, but I know you do. Help me to see it. I believe he brings it to light for us. Thanks again for joining us on the Central and Janesville podcast. Remember to check us out at centraljanesville.com. Have a great week.